As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. With over 50 years of experience in drag racing, BTE has been a trendsetter and innovator, placing themselves and their customers ahead of the pack. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by ThisIsBracketRacing.com. ThisIsBracketRacing.com is more than just our exclusive membership community. This is Bracket Racing Elite. ThisIsBracketRacing.com is your online home for this podcast, among many other sportsman drag racing resources. Check it out at ThisIsBracketRacing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Big Jed, it has not been often in the history of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast that I have allowed you to have your moment in the sun. <laughs> but out of, what, 344 Spring Fling Million entrants, you called it. You told us two weeks ago that the winner would be a Pennington, a Skinnington, as you call it, <laughs> from the state of Texas. Out of 344, you nailed it. You called it. You said Peeps was going to win the million. Bask in your glory, kind sir. Well, I did get that right somehow, and that, that did feel good. Number one, because I love Peeps. Number two, you know, I, I feel like that was a very difficult task to pick the winner. But it's not like I went out on a, you know, a, a little small limb. You know, that was a fairly 
easy pick to pick one of the the stars in the sport and that's what peeps is so i did get pretty lucky but you also had him on your list and when i picked him i think you mentioned that yeah peeps was definitely on my list too so i'll go another direction and i don't remember who you picked okay you picked the winner i picked the guy that couldn't remember to fuel up the freaking car <laughs> big Galitti. I mean, my guy can't yeah. even put gas in it to get from A to B, <laughs> much less win the race. Yeah, well, we both picked someone from Texas, and I ended up getting it right. And funny thing is that we had a little thing in the tower on Thursday night. We all paid 20 bucks, all the people in the tower, and picked who we thought was going to win. I said, I'll take Peeps because I picked him on the podcast. I'll just stick with him. And Sally, our, our parking agent, I already had Peeps picked. She picked first and she got Peeps. So she made a great pick as well. So I said, okay, give me sugar. And then end up with both of them in the final. You know, I was how lucky was that? I don't know if it's luck or skill, Big Jed. Uh, can you do me a favor? I guess the next big one that we go to will be the, uh, the SFG 500. Can I just, what will it take to reserve my spot? I want to be Jed's pick. I'm, I'm pre-picking you right now. Yes. Luke, Luke Bogalak to win the SFG 525. The big story from Vegas is obviously, peeps, next week's episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be the peep show. Okay, yeah, literally, I look forward we, to that. We will have Peeps Pennington on. We're gonna, we thought about doing an interview with this show, but we didn't want to cut him short. We wanted to give him full, in-depth, long-ranging, free-flowing interview time. So we will do that next week. So look forward to that. The story outside of Peeps from Vegas had to be John Labouche Jr. Caboose didn't win a day. But the man put on a show. He was king of the fling, certainly if you if you remove the million. And that, Big Jed, really makes me change my tune here. Because for six months, you know, we all know 2018 was the year of the Chevette. Right? Yes. And we teased for the last six months that 2019 is the year of the Pinto. Pinto drivers, I mean, it, I'm going to shout you out at the end here. Like, I'm calling you out because we hadn't seen anything yet. And what we saw last weekend was the resurrection of the buggy. Pete Spennington wins the million, going 470s in a buggy on a mountain with a rag on the carburetor. Yes. John LaBouche Jr. runs over the event in a buggy, 5-0s in a buggy. So yes. I'm, I'm rethinking this, Jed. I, I mean, shouts to all the Pinto drivers out there. 2019 might be the year of the buggy. Yeah, the Pinto boys uh, didn't didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, we, we gave them every opportunity to be the talk of the year, but didn't work out. But uh, the buggy definitely, Luke, are showing out. And just like you talked about, obviously, Peeps won in the family buggy. But Laboose, I mean, the guy must have put, he must have put 50 laps on the buggy. I mean, that thing just kept coming around the tower day after day after day. It was very impressive to watch. In related news, Anthony needs to freshen the motor in the buggy. Yeah, it's probably time. <laughs> it's probably time. As you mentioned, Laboose, two final rounds. Uh, I guess it was Wednesday, uh, run it up to 30 grander, and then run it up again on Saturday on the wrap-up day. Got a semifinal on Thursday. And I don't think he was a slouch in the million by any means. I think he went some rounds there as well. He was down to 16. I mean, oh, that's okay. a bad day to have your worst day, but down to 16 at the million typically gets paid. 
Yeah, really impressive. I mean, you're talking six, seven, eight, nine rounds every day in a car that, I mean, most people would not think is like the weapon for the job. And no. Don proved that wrong all weekend long. Yeah, as I watched, uh, you know, called a lot of his laps, obviously. And for the most part, I mean, the, the huge majority, he was just dominated his opponent. But the couple of times here or there where I thought, well, this one got him. He's beat. You know, he just made the best decision at the finish line. You know, get behind if he needed to, squeak it out by a couple of thou if he needed to. So he was really performing at a super high level. He was doing what Laboose does, front and back of the racetrack. Just showed out. Uh, you know, I texted him a couple of days later and told him congrats again on a great weekend. And, and you know basically what reply I got. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it, but I want to win. That was probably what he left there with was uh, come up short a couple of times, getting that last win light, and that that bothered him the most. But uh, still, when he reflects back on what he accomplished, uh, it has to be has to feel really good to him. No doubt. Let's piggyback off of that with just a little bit of blow by blow. I think those were the biggest stories from Vegas, but since it is the spring fling million, typically we don't go day by day results, but I think every finalist there deserves to be highlighted. Big Jed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Luke on Wednesday, which I actually showed up late Wednesday and and got to catch the last little bit of this, but Kevin Thorpe, another Texas racer, uh, got the 30 K win over little Laboose, as we mentioned, and they had a dragster shootout where a couple of guys that always show up big competed for that. And Jeff Burns got the win over uh, G-Dub, over Gary Williams, to win himself a new dragster chassis. And uh, on Thursday, Luke, he's back. JBR got it done. Ooh, ooh, let me, let, let me do it, let me do it. Do it. Johnny's back. <laughs> Johnny Brackett racer, Johnny Ezel got the win over Trevor Larson. Trevor, as I, I talked to him in the winter circle, doesn't racket race but one time a year, I guess, uh, just saves it all for this big event and goes to the final round. Obviously, guy's very talented and performs well on NHRA circuit, but got a big final round there. But Johnny Brackett Racer was driving the wheels off of that dragster, as always. I mean, had plenty in the bag and was making great decisions and great runs. And Johnny hasn't Got to race quite as much, I think, lately. Been working a little bit harder, just uh, like a lot of people, and come out and got a big win on a big stage. So it was good to see Johnny get back where he normally is. And Luke then obviously came Friday, and it was a, it was a huge day. You know, 344 cars, $375,000 to the winner. You know, the atmosphere was obviously what it is at the Spring Playing Million. Electric, you had a, a challenging day as uh, your day ended in a way that we don't like them to end. And I got wore out from the get-go. I mean, which that happened for three days. That wasn't just Friday. They didn't just reserve it for one day. They just did it to me all days. But uh, as everybody knows by now, Pete Spinnington put his name in the record books and got the win over a former million-dollar winner on the East Coast, Sugar Shane Carr. Yeah, Peep Show, putting on a show. I guess I don't like to use any of the podcasts to uh, to beat my own drum or sing my own tune. I can just sum up my weekend in four short words, courtesy Anthony Bertozzi, that bleep blew up. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you had one expire on you, and that happens in racing from time to time. We hate to see it when it does. I hate to see it happen to anybody. 
it was not the greatest timing, but seeing as I made it to uh, second round of the million before it blew up, that was more wind lights than I had seen all week prior to that point. <laughs> so my week was my, my day was off to a good start until then. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. for my three days of racing, the worst light I saw in the other lane was a double oh nine and I was not letting go as good as they were. So my, <laughs> my days were cut very short and uh, Luke on Saturday. As we mentioned, Little Laboose goes to another 30K final on the wrap-up day, comes up short this time to Vinny Domino as Laboose uh, turned it red a few thou. But Big Vin gets another wrap-up day big check at a spring fling event as he takes the $30,000 check back to New York. So, Luke, obviously big winners, big time, huge crowd. I think 588 was the biggest day in the 30 granders. Pretty amazing event. Uh, especially considering the crowd and how well and efficient the program ran, which we've come to expect at uh, fling events. It went extremely smooth. But what stood out to you? Obviously, there was a lot of things happening around Friday's race particularly, but what stood out to you from the event? Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, next week's episode will be the peep show we will have the winner of the spring fling million here so we'll get more into the weeds and dissect the details of this year's spring fling million which jed you would know better because you were behind the mic it was my understanding this was the richest drag race in history i know it's the richest spring spring fling million i don't think there's been an event that's ever paid more than three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to win can you verify or, or confirm or deny that well, I was asked and prior to Friday even getting the official car count and pay, I was asked, did I know what that number was? And actually, I thought 375 was the large number, but I questioned myself. I think it was the year George Tomasi won, and now I feel like it was 325. So I believe 375 is going to be the largest winner's purse ever. I'm under that impression as well. And just as a quick follow-up to our previous episode, actually last week's episode was the interview with Edmund Richardson, which was awesome. If you're listening to this and haven't listened to that, check that out. It's worth your time. Big E was, well, he's the king. And it, it was a great interview. So go back and check that out. But two weeks prior, when you and I recorded from the Spring Fling Million or from, I was in Vegas, you were a, a couple of days away at that point. We actually made our picks. Obviously, you picked peeps to win the event. I picked the guy that ran out of gas. We've been over that. We also made our picks for car count. And if I'm not mistaken, Jed, I don't have those in front of me. I think the largest day of the 30s, I think you nailed it within like three cars. I think you had picked 584 or something like that. So you were just in tune with what was going on all the way around with the exception of, I think you had picked the million day to crest 400 entries. I was a little yeah. closer there. I picked 320 something and I believe 344 was the number, right? Yeah, 344 is the number. I think you picked 328, if memory serves me correct, and I picked 407, so I, I was a little too optimistic, but um, I do think I got fairly close on the 30s. So, yeah, it's, uh, it was good picking weekend for me, but uh, as far as the actual racing, that did not go so well, Luke. Yeah, join the club. The one thing that stood out to me storyline-wise, and I don't even know if it's necessarily a storyline, it's just something I want to get on my soapbox about. And this is <laughs> kind of revisiting a past discussion because I think after last year's Montgomery Million, I went off on something similar to this, talking about the split late rounds in the million. And here's the deal. 
we talk about this pretty regularly because I am of the opinion that it's quite like the specific numbers and the who did what and the who wanted to split and the who didn't want to split. That's none of our business. Okay. But as an overall view, I think this is something that can be talked about. I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about. And here's why, because Similar to what happened in the Montgomery Million, my understanding is, again, I wasn't in the race, I wasn't part of this discussion, but all accounts are that it's 16 cars remaining in the million, which is typically the round that it gets cut up, right? There was one racer in particular, there may have been more than one, but certainly one racer that said, you know, I don't, I don't want to do anything just yet. While I think most of us would agree that that racer is completely within his rights to say that. Maybe it wasn't handled particularly well. Again, I don't know what wasn't up there. I know that it rubbed some people the wrong way, but all accounts of this was it got relatively ugly at times. Like I'm of the understanding that there were more than one competitor that kind of got up in this racer's face and said, hey, you don't split, you're greedy, blah, 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 on and on and on. And I could look at this from a couple angles, but the, the obvious one that we've said before is, okay, like, the purse is on the flyer. Now, granted, I don't think any of us, I would be shocked if anybody ran for 375 grand to win and 30 grand to runner up with no deal. Sure. Right? That's pretty wild. It could happen. That's what's on the flyer. Like that's basically what we signed up to race for. Right. That's right. But it would be very rare. It would be unprecedented for that to happen. And as these million dollar races go, now this one was a little bit unique because it was richer than any million that we've had in the past. We just discussed that 375 grand to win. So even if you cut that up 16 ways, that there's a whole lot of money in the pot. But it is typical for that event, for any quote unquote million dollar race, that round of 16 cars, however it falls, nine to 16, that's typically the round that the purse gets revamped. And I would say most typically, it becomes somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000 to lose that round. Okay. The advertised purse that round, at that point, it's just round money. I believe it's $3,000 to lose there if there's no deal. Yes. So if you say, okay, we're going to make it $10,000 to lose here, there's eight losers. So quick math tells you that that takes $56,000 out of the purse because we're adding seven grand to each of the uh, eight finalist purses right there. Seven times eight is 56 grand, right? Right. And it doesn't take a genius to realize that that 56 grand comes from maybe not necessarily the winner, but certainly the finest, right? That, that's what gets subsidized down later in the round, earlier in the payout. I think it's completely reasonable to be down to 16 cars and say, you know, if I get beat here, 10 grand sounds a whole lot better than three grand, right? Completely reasonable. Yes. I also think it's completely reasonable to look at that and say, you know, if I lose here, I get three grand. That's a good day. Like that, that stings knowing what's on the table, but I would rather take my chances of losing here and taking three grand for the bigger payoff in the final round. Because let's say, and again, this is simplifying the numbers, but let's say that typically it's $10,000 to lose at 16 cars. And as the splits work out, it ends up being $100,000 to the winner. While I think it's reasonable to say, I would rather have 10 grand here than three grand. I also think it's reasonable to say, I would accept losing, the three, losing here and going home with 
on the chance that if I win the race, instead of making $100,000, I make $150,000. I don't care which side of that uh, argument you would fall on if that was you at 16 cars, but I think it's nonsensical to argue that one of those is unreasonable. It's not like you know who's going to win at 16. We're all taking the same chance. It's not like we're putting the money over and saying that this one dude's going to get it. No, we're saying the guy that wins the race, like the guy or gal that wins the race, the one that deserves it, it's going to get more money. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Like I, I Take whichever side of the fence that you want there. I don't think either one of those arguments is unreasonable. And I know that that's not popular in this day and age because anything that we tend to disagree with becomes unreasonable. Like that is the culture of America today, political culture on down the line. Like if it's not what I think, it's completely unreasonable. But that's not true in this case. Like I could see having a valid argument either way and to take exception with that and get up in somebody's face and call them a greedy or a cheater or whatever the case, whatever was said, I think is completely and utterly ridiculous. I think it's shameful. I think that's way more shameful than the guy that said, hey, I don't want to do anything. Because I think... I could see that perspective. I'm not saying that's what I would have done, but I think it's reasonable to say, hey, I'll take my chances here for a much bigger pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, I agree, Luke. Uh, obviously, there was some animosity towards one of the, the 16 finalists and the, the one that chose not to make a uh, unified deal, a universal, whatever whatever word you want to put there. But Obviously, the entire crowd did not get to make put a number on that round and say, this is what we get right here because of the one individual. So, you know, and I think even he suggested, look, talk to the guy you're running or gal you're running, whatever what it may be. And if you want to work, if everybody wants to do something, sound like you can work together and it'll all work out near the same. And I believe it really did. I think it worked out really close to about what anybody would have proposed in, at the round of 16 by those individuals working together on percentages or what have you. So, you know, what it boils down to is the guy is not required. No racer is required to do it. It is it, become an expectation from us as racers, but there's no requirement and you can't be upset with a person that has the whatever word fortitude that you want to put in front of the fortitude but the person that says you know what no I'm not doing anything and i want to just race for what's on the flyer call him flyer as they say which obviously wouldn't have happened as the race progressed but all of the hate and and animosity towards that person was it was weird it really was because it, you you said from your understanding that it got heated in the lanes and it, it did get heated in the lanes. It was, it was a pretty ugly deal where the, the promoter had to actually step in and say, all right, guys, you are trying to change the entire program and how we run it based on what that decision was. And that's not happening. We're fixing to go out on a racetrack and race. You either are or you aren't, but this is what's got to happen. And, and I, you know, luckily he got control of it, but, it was uh, it was really odd to see how that was working out uh, because of the decision that one racer made. Along those lines, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this, Jed, because as I mentioned earlier, like it's certainly not universal. But the handful of times that I've had the opportunity to be a part of that discussion, 
you know, at one of the, the quote unquote million dollar races. And there's been a couple other times that I wasn't necessarily in the race, but was, had a close buddy in the race that you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with numbers, you know? So, Hey, just handle that for me so I can race. So I've done that a couple of times as well. And quite typically, like it kind of breaks down the same way. You know, like I said, generally these races end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred thousand dollars to win. 80-ish to runner-up, 50-ish to semi. You know what I mean? You can kind of predict that on down the line. Oh, yeah. I just wonder if, whether it's Pete Kyle or Randy Folk or whatever, putting on the million-dollar race, if instead of, you know, obviously there's still going to be a fluctuating purse based on car count, but if instead of the super top-heavy, you know, in this case, $375,000 to win, $30,000 to runner-up, round money basically from there down, what if they just said, okay, this is the purse and it's going to pay 125 grand to win. It's going to pay 80 grand to run her up. They would make those discussions maybe go away. Certainly much, much simpler. If you said everybody that gets down to 16 cars is going to get 10 grand. Now what that might do is now the round of 32, you're going to have all these crazy deals because it's two grand to lose and it's 10 grand to win. You know what I mean? Maybe it just backs everything up and we do these crazy deals earlier. I just wonder if that would have any effect. Like, I'd always said the the racers look at what the entry fee is and what the winner pays. But would anyone really not come to the quote unquote million dollar race if it was $125,000 to win, but still paid all of the purse that it did now, just in the way that it normally gets distributed? That's a great question. One I would like to know the answer to. I was actually thinking about that today as I was riding down the road, uh, you know, kind of a no split nationals type format where you handle all that for them and it just pays really well but just gets a little better each round as opposed to you know the big gaps that you see in a typical flyer and that's not a knock on any promoter because i have a race that that does it too so sure i get it but i i think ultimately luke i really believe the racers want control of that oh i'm a huge fan of the racer having control no i I don't don't misrepresent that at all i just wonder what effect that would have because I've seen people try to do that at a lower level, you know, like a five, 10 grand or something like that. And instead of paying $5,000 to win and a thousand dollars to runner up, it's three grand and two grand to runner up and really deep payback. And at that level, those races just were never supported the way a quote unquote five grander was, which is baffling because it's the way the purse usually shakes down anyway. And it's bottom line is it's the same amount of money getting paid out to the racers. I just wonder when you multiply everything by a hundred, you know, when you go into the million dollar race, would that really have an effect? Like I can't imagine it would alter car counts, but I'm with you. Like I kind of like the, um, the chance of it, the, the idea that somebody could just, as you said, call flyer and I could stage up for a semifinal round. And if I lose, I get 10 grand. And if I'm going to the final, we're splitting 400. Like I, that, I don't know. I don't even know how I would feel in that situation, but it would be cool to look back, win or lose or draw and say, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> be different. It would, it would definitely be different. And somebody's going to do that on a big scale one day. And, you know, that'll, that will be the next kind of thing that happens with these large purses, but it'll be interesting. I think somebody's within the next four or five years, I, I I think somebody's going to call a flyer and and just let it ride. Now I think that we're going to see that 
at one of these large events in the next four to five years. But I do think uh, that's inevitable because we've already seen it and we've seen $50,000 finals yeah. run off no split. Like it's, it's going to progress to that point. And somebody, whether it's someone that just comes into the event saying, if I get there, I ain't doing nothing or somebody that's just feeling it that day and says, you know, today's the day I'm going to win and it's going to be life changing. I'm going to get it all, you know? Yeah. And as long as that person's in, there ain't no deal. Yeah, that's going to happen because I think enough people are going to say they're going to do it to at some point one of them is going to be in the mix or one or two of them is going to be in the mix. They're going to have to stand up and do what they said they'd do. I've heard a lot of people say they were going to do it. I've yet to see anybody follow through on that stage. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. BTE is one of a few full-service transmission companies with a full array of manufacturing and testing capabilities. Their in-house CNC facility is paired with an extensive collection of gear hobbing and shaping machines to produce any high-performance driveline product. From inception, BTE's racing products are designed, prototyped, field-tested, produced, inspected, and even shipped by real racers. Just outside of Memphis, Tennessee, their warehouse and manufacturing facility in Mount Pleasant, Mississippi, is stocked with thousands of parts and centrally located in the United States for fast delivery anywhere. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by thisisbracketracing.com. At this point, most of you are familiar with our exclusive membership community, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. But to be completely honest, Elite has taken off to the point that we've closed the doors. We have open enrollment to This Is Bracket Racing Elite a couple of times a year. But in the meantime, there is plenty of great resources available on thisisbracketracing.com. For one thing, it is the online home of this podcast. You can also find a number of resources designed to help you become a better racer. And again, those are not exclusive to This Is Bracket Racing Elite members. There is free material on thisisbracketracing.com. There are resources that can be purchased on a one-off or in a bundle segment without joining This Is Bracket Racing Elite. And we've got cool stuff like our run completion calculator. We've got weather formulas that help you better dial in your car in various conditions. Just a ton of resources regardless of what facet of racing in this sport that you want to focus on and try to become a little bit better at, this is bracketracing.com has without question got resources that will help lead you in that direction. You want to make it in a song to do the Justin Lamb, win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam. You do the Kevin Brandon, lay the smack across the land, then you do the L ride and you come out like the world champ. All right, Luke, so obviously last week's Spring Fling Million was the news, the the talk of the town as far as race results go. But uh, this week, this weekend, basically as we're recording, it's just wrapped up. The um, ATI Bigfoot 40K Classic footbrake race that Luke Rocker puts on at Darlington Dragway. Uh, it's a 10 
40 and 10. Yes, I said 40 on Saturday and had a $5,000 warm up race on Thursday. Another great event by the guys at Lewis Rocker Footbreakers racing for money that they don't see. Uh, it was other than the, the Pro 38 at Spring Fling Me, and this is the biggest purse that a, a bottom bulber gets to race for. And it was huge and star studded winter circles. Uh, Thursday's 5K warm up, Charlie Lockhart out of Kentucky gets another big win. Charlie, very familiar with the winter circle, pretty much everywhere he goes. He gets it done, start his week off well, get his tab taken care of. And Friday's 10K was all Northeast final. Maryland's Tony Matera comes up short to New Jersey's Steve Van Cranist. A couple of guys who turn on a heap of wind lights in their area of the country. And it they travel well and, and get it done. So great final round there for $10,000 on Friday, which is a huge day for a footbrake racer. But Saturday's the day they came for. Saturday's 40K, uh, they, the guys tell me that I know was there that uh, it was just a bloodbath. It was absolute tears on the bottom, uh, guys laying down packages that you, you would hear uh, from the most talented super pro racers out there with all the, the aids that they have. And these guys are swapping feet, getting it done. Very impressive. And my good friend, Ernie Humes, kicked down the door for his second huge payday i think ernie's got a fifteen thousand dollar win to his credit on the bottom and he gets a forty thousand dollar win over the always tough kelly stevens ernie and kelly both out of uh, north carolina and uh, ernie uh, luke i believe he was um i think he made our top 25 list i'm pretty sure ernie did as he should have but huge win there for him yeah that's where i wanted to go with this jed we did this it's Right out a year ago now, or a little over a year ago, we didn't do it. You and I, we reached out to 10 people that should know, you know, bottom ball racers, promoters, media members, and asked them all to rank their top 25, and we compiled them. And uh, I was curious, did, did Ernie rank on that? Um, because I didn't remember calling his name. And he was, he was, he was on down the list a little bit. He was 22. I would just assume, and you've got your finger on the pulse, on this stuff way better than I do, Big Jed, the bottom bulb community. I would assume if we did that list again today, Ernie would be considerably higher than 22. Is Ernie top 10 nationwide bottom bulb? Well, I think, Luke, we tend to think historically and we, we think about guys that we've seen do it for sure. years and years and years. And then we think really recent. I think there's a nice mixture of those in the top 10. You know, you got your Bob Mullaney's, your Phil Combs in the top 10, and then you'd have your Nick Hastings and your Kevin Pollard's. But I, I believe Ernie would be on the tip of everybody's tongue right now for a top 10 ranking. The guy just gets it done. I mean, he's, he runs, he's run the same car for years and years and years. He is uh, ultra talented and just, you know, if you watch his results, when he doesn't win, just like the last day today, he was, you know, he won a 40 grander yesterday. I think he was in the quarterfinals today. It, when he doesn't win, he's always in the mix. Ernie's a guy that you have to beat to get to the, to the final round, reach the goal. So, yeah, uh, long story short, uh, I believe Ernie would definitely get in everyone's, everyone's top 10 right now. That was a very reasonable explanation. I assumed that you would just go complete Dick Vitale on us. It's like if Dick Vitale ranked, it had a top 25, I think it would have a hundred teams in it. 
right? Oh, they're top 25, baby. They're, they're, he's the best. Yeah. So, but no, I, I, I agree. Like, I think if we rank them today, with what Ernie's done over the course of the last year, and then obviously highlighted by this huge win, I think he probably ranks in there. It's probably deserving. But when you get right down to it, if you list off 10 guys, I mean, you, you're going to have Nick Hastings in there. You're going to have Lucas Walker in there. You're going to have Justin Lamb in there. We're talking bottom ball. It's not just bracket racing. You got to have Anthony Bertozzi in there. You know I mean? There's only 10 spots. But to your point, I, I think Ernie is very deserving. And this, again, just highlights what has been an impressive career as a whole. And certainly over the last, you know, year, two years, it seems like Ernie has been there knocking on the door and or winning most of these big footbreak races across the country. Yeah, I agree. And what I like a lot about Ernie or, or what I like the most about him, he has all the tools in the bag. You know, he can he can pretty much set up to do about anything he wants to do out on the racetrack based on who he's running and what he thinks his strategy needs to be, which all the greats typically do. So uh, that was the 40 grander, Luke. Obviously, that was the big lure to the event Sunday, which is today as we're recording, wrapped up just a little while ago with another couple of all-stars jesse betterton which jesse doesn't get out to the track i think as much as he used to but this is a young man that's got a tremendous amount of talent and uh, always shows up big on the big stages he's uh jesse's out of virginia i believe and he got the win over north carolina's richard offered which uh they ain't much more richard can win uh, on the bottom or the top this guy's done it at a very high level for literally decades now and slick rick comes up with a with a runner-up to wrap up the 10Ks. Great event by Loose Rocker. Uh, as a guy who loves foot brake racing and, and loves big stage foot brake racing, appreciate what Loose Rocker does, Michael Beard and Anthony Walton, for putting on these big events like that, putting their uh, neck on the line. And uh, turns out, uh, looks like it was a great event, great, great weather and everything there at Darlington. So congrats to all those guys. Luke, right here in my home state, I wasn't able to make it, wasn't in the cards for me to travel any this weekend, but uh, Montgomery Raceway Park had their Super 7s event. That just wrapped up again a little while ago. Friday had a 5K to win. That was Gary Dunn gets the win. Saturday was my great friend and a guy that's basically got my entire old racing setup, which he's done way more with it than I ever did. Uh, he's got my truck, my trailer, and my old Malibu, my buddy Nick Ross. Uh, Rick Noss, as we call him, takes the big 10K win on Saturday. Was super proud of Nick. Great job there to my bud. And Sunday, uh, one of the podcast boys, Zach Schlump, uh, he and Jake Hodge have their podcast. And uh, Zach showed that he can do it off the track. I mean, on the track as well as off the track. He gets the win over my buddy Cole Cousins to wrap up the Super 7 Series there in Montgomery. So congrats to Zach. That's a huge win by him. Zach Schlump was, wait for it, dialed in. <laughs> yes, dialed in with Zach and Jake. Um, so, Luke, now we come to the, the one that you've named the best named race in the history of racing. Man, the, the Bigfoot Classic is close. Like, that's Big, pretty yeah, great. great event that names great. in one weekend. Very good point. That is great. But the 10 Grand Slam is a really great name. That's uh, the Davis guys uh, from Richmond, Virginia, Richmond Dragway there. Very popular event. And producer Mark told us as we were getting ready to start the program that they had a monster crowd. I, I believe he said 220 some odd entries. 
which makes what Bruce Sisk did even more impressive because that's tough racing up in there. I think really good racetrack guys probably obviously lighting the scoreboard dead on a bunch. And uh, Herb Bailey got the win in the first 10 grander over Bruce Sisk. And then Jeff Sarah, which we know Jeff makes a lot of final rounds. He got the 10K win over Bruce Sisk in the second 10K. So looked like a great event there uh, at Richmond Dragway. So congrats to those guys. And uh, great to see a, a long-running event continue to have a lot of success. No then, doubt. Meanwhile. More wide stuff. Yeah, on the NHRA side. The NHRA Tour rolled into ZMAX Dragway, the Bellagio of drag racing as it's called charlotte north carolina for the the four wide things kind of losing its ring because we just talked about the four white national in May. Yeah. But anyway four wide nationals uh charlotte north carolina newsflash breaking news from charlotte there was a race in which super comp was contested in which ray ray miller was entered and ray ray did not win Ray Ray was runner up. Okay. Yeah, Real well. downer of a weekend for uh, Ray Miller, the third runner up in uh, super comp to another guy that is no stranger to the winner circle. That'd be Jonathan Anderson. Jonathan Anderson gets the win over Ray Ray and super comp just to add to his awful weekend. Ray Ray also a semifinalist in super gas. Young man is having quite the 2019. Yes. Yes, he is. Ray Ray doing it again. And, um, you know, he's, definitely going to be in the mix in a couple of categories it looks like so i look forward to the season progressing and getting your breakdown and scenarios and all that's going to be really good as we move throughout the nhra season yeah, it sounds like he might take the drama right out of super <laughs> nobody ever does luke we always think somebody's going to make it over but they never do. It always just comes right down to the end somehow. Or yeah, that's true. I could see really breaking this down in October and saying, you know, Jerry Little out there in Division Six, <laughs> if he goes to five more races and wins four of them and runners up the other one, he would tie Ray Ray. I think he would lose the tiebreaker. He might have to win all five, but it could happen. I that's what we're that looking at. at. Yeah, that, that's, that's what we're looking at right now. In the stock category, Luke, Drew Skillman got the win uh, over Monty Bogan. Good to see Monty back out doing his thing, going to another final round. Drew Monty Skillman. had a big day. Monty nearly doubled out there at Charlotte. Monty yes, Jill. Monty did. Monty had a couple of tough customers, obviously come up a little short in the stock category. But in super stock, Monty Bogan gets the win. Uh, again, for people that has been just watching this for the last, I don't know, four, five, six years, might not be as familiar with Monty. The guy was dominant uh, 10 plus years ago or in the 10 year ago range and kind of took a hiatus. But obviously, Monty's back and doing what Monty does. Oh, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. <laughs> do it. Monty's back. <laughs> he is back. And the guy he took out in Superstock, we know how talented he is. Joe Santangelo is absolute terror on the racetrack. Tough customer, hard to beat in any category. So, obviously, that was a good final round money coming up on the winning side of that. And then Super Gas, uh, Joe Harper, I, I didn't get to see the box score, but there's some notes in the show about it. Look what happened. Yeah, I had to note this. Joe Harper, who I think typically he's from uh, Louisiana, so he's a long way from North Carolina. I assume this is a multi-week trek for Joe. Uh, I think he typically goes to Atlanta for the national events, probably decided to pick up Charlotte the week prior. Imagine he's going to be gone for a couple weeks made the Charlotte trip pay off. And let's just walk through this like we like to do. 
16 first round, 25 second round on the tree. They had to have a couple rounds, get his box just right. Realized at that point, hey, like wheel some out. Round three, 004. Round four, 007. Semifinal, 003. Final round, 006. And he paired all mm. of them with either 991s or looks like he got one opportunity to roll an opponent through and went well over. Uh, yeah, pretty impressive box score for the Louisiana racer. In an all-Division four final, Joe knocked out uh, Shannon Brinkley in the final round. That's two Division four guys all the way in North Carolina. So impressive showing for the South Central Division, and that's, uh, that's not the land of the winners. That's not the land of the rebels. That's the – I should know this. Shout out Division Four. <laughs> I'm going to catch up on that one, Big Chip. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pass. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. Okay. Now, the big story outside of the sportsman ranks, this isn't really a sportsman story, but it's a friend of the podcast, friend of sportsman racers everywhere. Sean Langdon got his first NHRA Nitro Funny Car national event win at Charlotte. Sean's been on the show before. Actually, we need to revisit that because – didn't Sean promise to get one of us on his podcast when he came on? Like we were uh, doing yeah. that to promote. Yes. Yeah, the Nomad. He did. Side. And I'm pretty okay. sure that was you that he promised to have on. But uh, In Sean's defense, having having listened and watched a few episodes of the Nomex Effect, it's not our market at all. Like, every, <laughs> yeah. 99% of the people that, that tune into the Nomex Effect are like, who the bleep is this guy, right, if we were on there? So we do it. <laughs> Most right. definitely. We're, we're cool with it. It's fine. But Sean Langdon, in winning Nitro Funny Car, first off, he became the first person in the history of the world to win an NHRA World Championship in a junior dragster, a pair of NHRA World Championships in Supercom, an NHRA World Championship in Top Fuel, and now an NHRA National Event in, in Nitro Funny Car. Props to Sean. He yeah. also became just the 17th person in history now to win NHRA National Events in both top fuel and nitro funny car so i was playing a little game on the way home and i'll be mm. you you're just gonna have to take my word for this jed i saw that i saw sean becomes the 17th right and i tried to list okay who were the first 16 and i i, I didn't get it right i didn't get all of them I, I now have the answer i was gonna pitch this to you without having the answer just you know like that would add a drama to the show but i, I now have the answer i think i got 10 or 11 of them right so I'll pitch it to you on the spot, Big Jed. How many of the 16 can you name that have won NHRA national events in both Top Fuel and Funny Car prior to Sean Langdon doing it at Charlotte? Well, I would say Gary Selzy. Yes. I would say one is his teammate, J.R. Todd. Yes. I would have to go with uh, Kenny Bernstein. Yes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of running out. I'm like, you, you really did spring this on me. I had no idea what was coming. Whew. Man, I'm just drawing a blank. I, I thought I was going to be pretty good at this, but I think I failed miserably. Well, you got three. Yeah, that's not real good. That's that's all we got. For a guy that talks drag racing on the podcast, so you'd think I'd be better at this, but. I got, let's see here. I picked, I picked one flyer and I was wrong on the flyer, but I think the other ones I nailed. I got one. I actually put this in my notes in my phone to like try to keep myself honest. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I got 12. If I'm right, I might be wrong on one. Yeah. Okay. I got 11 right and I got two wrong. 
my picks first off were I, I got Don Perdome. You said that, right? No, I did not. Okay. Perdome? Sure. Yeah, you said Bernstein. Okay. I had Perdome and Bernstein. To me, those were the obvious ones. Ron Caps, ding. Ed the Ace McCullough, ding ding. J.R. Todd, as you said. Selzy, as you said. The late great Scott Coletta. Ding. Mm. Del Worsham. Oh. Man. Ding ding. Jim Head. Give me head till I'm dead. Ding ding. <laughs> Tommy Johnson Jr. What just happened? Those he those were his t-shirts. I'm not I'm not getting low down and dirty here. Those were the t-shirts. I, give me head till I'm dead. <laughs> Where get your mind out of the gutter, Go Jim. ahead, Luke. Picking head to win. Okay. Go ahead. Jim Head. No go ahead. Um, Jim Head, Tommy Johnson Jr., Frank Holly, and uh, the two that I got wrong, I thought Connie Coletta might have done it, and, and uh, I thought Casey Spurlock. I, I had it in my head somehow, like he had, I think he's been in the final in both classes. Oh, man. Maybe I'm wrong. And, okay. So the ones that we both missed then, we both said J.R. Todd, I said Del Worsham. How about Melanie Troxel? Oh, man. Yeah, I, would, I missed that one completely. Yeah. We both said Selzy. I said Tommy Johnson Jr. I said Ed the Ace. We both said Bernstein. Got Caps, got Holly, got Head. Uh, Gene Snow, got that one. That's going, mm. that's going back a little ways. We got the Snake. We missed the Mongoose. Tom the Mongoose, me too. The oh. put it in both. Mike Dunn in both. Mm. Mark Oswald in both. And now, the man, the myth, the legend. Sean Langdon. Wow. Trivia what a, time. What a list to be a part of. Yeah, no doubt. Congratulations, Sean. Good stuff. Right. When you, whenever you're on his podcast, maybe y'all can talk about that. Yeah, maybe I'll bring that up. So we'll close out the results portion of the show, Big Jed, with Triple Tens from the Texas Motorplex in Dallas. And that is going to bring us to this week's BTE Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. The BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. So, Luke, this week's BT Who's Hot was mentioned in the Spring Fling Million discussion. And obviously you'd think, okay, so they're going to name Peeps the Who's Hot. Mm, not so fast, my friend. Yeah. Peeps is very hot, but you got to kind of get on a roll to get our BT Who's Hot. And when somebody's on a roll like this guy, you, uh, you name him Who's Hot. Johnny Ezel got a $30,000 win in Vegas, and he came right back to Ennis, Texas, to the Motorplex, and got day one's 10 grander, kind of back-to-back, if you will, uh, of events anyway. A 30 and a 10 uh, just shows a consistent uh, winning way from a guy that we expect nothing less from. So this week's BTU's Hot is Johnny Bracket Racer. Yeah, I think Johnny made a little vacation of it. You know, Vegas, little, what is that, 25, 30-minute drive back over to Dallas? No big Somewhere deal. along in that. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, backs up the $30,000 win with a $10,000 triumph at the Triple Ten. So on the heels of that, we could have gone a lot of different directions here. Actually could have gone with another guy that had a huge weekend at Dallas. Uh, could have gone with Peeps. Could have gone with Caboose. 
But yeah, just given the stage and the actual, you know, finishing, winning both of these events, this week's BT Who's Hot, Johnny Zell, uh, no surprise there. No shock to see Johnny doing well. None whatsoever. And as you mentioned, uh, we could have gone Josh Burrow. So day two, Josh Burrow gets the win. And day three, Burrow gets the win again over Don Bulware, which is a friend of the podcast. Podcast bumped to Don. Um, I know Don's had a few birthdays. No, uh, no offense to him whatsoever. But I Don's think the, one of the show we had Don Bulware on was titled "The Last Big Thing." Yes, it's kind of ominous as I look back on it. Actually, Don's definitely one of the veterans in the sport and still getting it done. You know, there's a ton of talent out there, and that's tough racing for Don to get to a final round that's big. But Josh Burrow. Uh, back-to-back 10 grand wins out there at the motorplex that's a that's a big weekend for that young man yeah and i think it was uh it was off air uh we were we were talking with peeps might have been after the million uh and he said hey that's somebody to watch out for that kid hadn't won yet but he's about to he just did twice over josh bro young racer out of the dfw area i'm dating myself a little bit i raced with josh's parents a lot growing up still pretty close with his father dale uh couldn't be happier to see that young man having success and to bust through so to speak and get your first big win and then back it up and do it again a day later uh that's impressive yeah very impressive and as you said it's great to see uh, josh do that he's a he's a guy who works hard at his craft so Great to see him break through and get a couple of huge wins back-to-back out there. Look, there's a bottom bulb component to uh, the, the Texas Triple Tens as well, and these names continue to pop up. doesn't matter where they're racing, but especially when they're racing in their home state, these guys show up big. Uh, first and foremost, Jake Howard gets the win on day one, or one of the days. I don't know if it was day one or not, but it got the win over Steve Stockton. Steve's a, a bottom bulber comes from Wisconsin, so he – he made the trip from Wisconsin down to Texas to do a little racing in the Triple Ten. Yeah, it paid out, uh, paid off well for him with a final round appearance there against Jake. Jake getting another big win. Blair McNutt got the win over Jim Cornette. No offense to Blair. Uh, really cool to see Blair get that win. But Jim Cornette's a guy that's uh, been doing it a while, kind of old school guy, one of the nicest guys that I've ever met at a racetrack anywhere. Great to see Jim making a big final round as well as Blair got the huge win and and cut Jim's uh, celebration a little bit short there, but that's still a great final for both of those guys. And then here we go again, Chad Sandlin over Jake Howard and a final round, I guess, to wrap up the weekend, Chad and Jake continue to make huge final rounds everywhere they race, but especially, like I said, in their home state, that's a really big deal. So Mark's throwing us a, a couple of notes in here letting us know that Jake was 17 total in that final round against Chad and he got some change. I don't know how much change he got, but he got some change and Chad got the win line. So again, something we've come to expect out of those guys, tremendous bottom bulb talents. Yeah. Nasty, nasty stuff as always uh, coming from the bottom bulb crowd in the state of Texas. Big Jed, I think we've done our best to recap the last two weeks of racing. Let's now transition into what's on tap going forward. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's what's on tap. Yeah, obviously, um, we had Spring Fling last weekend in Vegas. They take a week off next week now, which will become this week very soon for us. The Spring Fling Galat 
is uh, at Galat Motorsports Park in Benson, North Carolina. That's uh, where I'll be heading. I'll head out Wednesday morning myself and uh, make the drive over to Eastern North Carolina. Uh, obviously, a pre-entry race where they took 385 entries. This is a race we talked about earlier uh, in uh, or an earlier show that uh, sold out. Luke and I believe seven minutes and 40 seconds or somewhere along in there, which we didn't think could be beat. Which we find out it can be beaten. It yeah, did that get got beat. destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in under eight minutes, they sold the event out. I see a lot of people on Facebook uh, trying to scrounge up an entry. Very uh, desirable event to go to. It's going to be a great event at a beautiful facility. Looking forward to getting over there and doing uh, spring fling number two in a three week span. It makes and somebody's day. Uh, what is? It? How many days pay fifty? They pay fifty on Friday. One day pays fifty. One okay. day pays fifty. Right. Uh, I mean, you nailed it with peeps. Pick a winner. Tell us who. Tell us. I mean, I guess you could save three hundred eighty-four people to drive, but get somebody excited. This is a difficult task. Um, the guy just always seems to show up really well at any of the East Coast flings. So. I'm going to go with Tommy Cable getting his name back on uh, the winner's list at uh, at a fling event. I say Tommy Cable gets the 50 grander on Friday night. You Solid. care to make a pick? What's the matter? You you pick the winner. Yeah, that's right. Tommy's going to win. So. so And I will say this. After Tommy Cable wins the 50, I'm going to feel so much better about my trip to Martin, Michigan in July. So much better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds um, good. But just to just to go out on a limb, and uh, in case uh, in case we have a a wild turn of events, I'll go with another Tommy that seems to do well at all of the mm-hmm. East Coast flings, specifically Galat. I'll go with Tommy Plot. Yeah, neither one of us uh, took a big big huge gamble there, so it wouldn't surprise me if either of those guys end up with that final round victory. Luke. May the 4th through the 5th, which um, is coming up again this weekend, is the drive for 15,000 or commonly known as the drive for 75 at Huntsville Dragway in Huntsville, Alabama, my home state. Uh, Got a great program there, Bones and Andy Huntsville Engine uh, sponsored event. Um, Bones and Andy helped manage the event and um, come in, basically pay 100 bucks and you race for 7,500 twice. Or you can pay 150 and race for 10 grand twice. So, really cool deal there with their uh, their little gamble pass that they have. So they should have a great turnout for that. I think weather's going to be really good around here. You mentioned uh, one of the racers that, that performed well this past weekend, probably headed to the Southern Nationals, which the NHRA Southern Nationals will be held at Atlanta Dragway uh, in Commerce, Georgia. That's again this coming weekend for those of you looking for some national event action. If you are more of a divisional fan, the NHRA Division Three Lucas Oil event will happen at National Trail Raceway. Um, and the uh, NHRA Division Six Lucas Oil Series will go to Firebird Raceway uh, both this coming weekend. So lots along, on tap. Along those lines, Jed, like Vegas opens the books. Like what kind of what kind of odds could you get picking Ray Ray to win Super Comp at Atlanta? Could it be like a money line bet? Like at this point, do you have to wager 200 to win 100 when he wins? Well, I wouldn't say it would quite get there, but it wouldn't be far off. You you wouldn't make a whole bunch off of your money. I can tell you that. You, yeah. Uh, you'd probably even money at the most. Red hot Ray Ray. And if I'm not mistaken, Atlanta is one of those places that has been 
treated him well in the past. Uh, so yeah. it would be no shock if we're talking about him again on the next episode of yeah. Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, which is actually a really good tease because I think that's the end of this episode. Well, it was, but I forgot to mention that the oh. NHRA Division One National Open is at Atco Dragway in Atco, New Jersey. So, tons on the NHRA uh, schedule as well as bracket racing. Now, Luke, that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and definitely want to say thanks to the great sponsors, BTE, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. We appreciate both of those fine companies and. We definitely hope you look to them when you are in need of the products and services that they offer. Now, it's my favorite part of the show. Not the ending, but the shout-out part. I figured the end was your favorite. Okay, I got a couple of different directions I could go here. Like, this is a little bit shout-out, a little bit clean-up, right? Kind of tying up some loose ends, some things we might have let slip through the cracks over the course of the last couple episodes. Sure. That happens occasionally. But shout out first, like maybe um, happy trails to the year of the Pinto. I don't want to say it's over, but I mean, <laughs> Brian Hughes like is going to have to go win the million and the Bristol 500K or else it's just not going to be the year of the Pinto. <laughs> I don't know where else we're going to get, basically. I need Dustin Shore and Brian Hughes. Come on, guys. So happy trails, year of the Pinto. It is, I'm, I'm just going to call it. You're the buggy. Shout out to the buggy. Shout out to the freaking 470 with rag tied around the carburetor buggy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Steve Kasner because, Jed, we were doing this on the fly. Like, truth comes out now. We recorded this is episode 127. That would have been episode 125. We recorded that literally an hour after this happened. So I didn't have the full story. We'd said Steve Kasner, one top dragster at the Vegas points meet. And the rumor was he changed the lifter in the staging lanes. And I'm just going to full transparency. We goofed up. We got it wrong. Mm. They did not change a lifter in the staging lanes before the final round. But the truth, the real story, big dead. It's better because Kasner attempted to change a lifter in the staging lanes prior to the final round and couldn't get it. And at some points they said, Hey, you got a race. So he said, all right, pull that bleep out. We'll no. run on seven. No. Kasner's stage, of, this is top dragster now. I think he was dialed 650-something. He's spraying the daylights out of it. <laughs> you like that? I caught myself. <laughs> yeah, good catch. So he says, okay, on seven cylinders, I don't know what this thing will go, but they won't let me dial slower than, I think the number was 683. Right? you got to dial within a tenth of the bump. Okay, so he dials 683, and he's got little John LaBoose, and he's got KB and some others up there helping him. And there was a little bit more downtime. Make sure we got all our ducks in a row. Like, I think they were running final with alcohol classes. And I think if, if Kasner credits little John with the idea, hey, let's take the wing off. Like, get all the weight off of this you can because you only got seven cylinders, right? So they take the wing off, do a couple other little things to get a little bit more, Right. Seven cylinders now, about 683. <laughs> Kasner leaves the starting line. I believe he had a two or three hundredths advantage on the tree. His opponent goes dead on the dial in. Kasner pumping it for the last 300 feet, dead on 683 on seven cylinders after dialing up three times. Wow. That is awesome. That deserved that shout out. That's a heck of a story. 
Okay, I put this in. This is this is a, a shout out that got added long before the show because Jim, this may have been. I had some rough moments at the Sprinkling Million. Possibly my favorite moment was hearing you on the PA going, and in the right lane, and here is Stephanie Nass, and ooh, nine thou package. Stephanie went to their Nass, and I thought that was hilarious. So shout out to Stephanie Nass, who also went to my Nass. <laughs> Suffice to say, on the weekend, she got me too. Uh, it wasn't a one-time thing. So shout did, out to Stephanie. I did say Stephanie's nickname ought to be Bustin. Yes, that Bustin Mass. I hope that will stick. Bustin <laughs> Good stuff. Shout out to to Jimrod Capiello. To I'm sorry to 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 Jim Capiello. <laughs> to Jim Rod Cap. And to Jim Rodcap, we went through this last episode, right? We got a little bit of clarity on this. The Jim actually, this is kind of going to extremes. It's impressive. Jim had his name changed on all of his NHRA stuff to avoid issues with the DOT. The thought process being the, the policeman sees Jim Capiello on the license and Googles it, say, hey, does this guy race for money? And Jim Capiello doesn't appear anywhere because it's Jim Rodcap. Brilliant, right? And I, honestly, when I got that story, I thought, that's a little far-fetched. Then, related story. I got pulled over in Arizona on my way home from the million. I got asked a lot of questions about what was in the trailer. Do you guys race much? Do you guys win much? Do, do, do you have sponsors? And I wasn't untruthful about anything, but I didn't shed a whole lot of light on exactly what it was we were doing. I, I got away just fine. I got a speeding ticket. But it made me think... <laughs> Nimrod might be onto something here. <laughs> that dude Google's Luke Bogacki, like, he's subject to see a big check and might ask a lot more questions. So, <laughs> shouts to Jimrod. He's way ahead of the game here. Great um, idea. Great, brilliant. Yeah, what can I say? I got one. This was brought to my attention in the staging lanes of the Spring Million, and we missed our opportunity here because we already did our NCAA bracket with things that the racing phrases and things that whip us. And this was a great one that I went right over my head, and it's something that I want to say whips me, but it, it irritates me. It aggravates me to no end. And it is the racer that is dialed six minutes and 32 seconds. <laughs> six yeah. colon 32. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, that, so is, that does whip me, too. Go with that where you will. Let's just yeah. stick with the decimal point. Yeah, folks. You're 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 dialed the the time, <laughs> <laughs> not not like a.m. Yeah. p.m. Yeah, going <laughs> six thirty-two. It would take a long time to finish the drag race if that was the case. Shouts to the ten grand slam and the Bigfoot Classic. Probably my two favorite race names. Shouts in a related fashion to the Super Seven series because what. Has in anything related to that race has to do with the number seven today? Like <laughs> is there seven of the races? I don't think so. I realize it's tradition. Bad name. Bad name, Jim. Yeah. Work on that. Yeah. Shouts to Slick Rick. Richard Alford. Shouts to Slick Rick. Rick Bear with a real Slick Rick. Please stand up. Can we get a three race runoff? I think we've talked about that before. <laughs> and of course, last but not least, shouts to the master that's to jim head <laughs> yes most definitely and his t-shirt maker yes one uh, of 17 racers in nhra history to win national events in both no, top that was and great well done luke 
guys, be sure to tell us what you think. Message us right there on our Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Tell us uh, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you'd like to see or hear or what have you. Send us a message. Let us know you're listening. Or you can at either Luke or myself right there on Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Enjoy the Peeps Pennington interview next week on the show, and we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks talking about a lot of racing action. So, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jared Pennington. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.